श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गराधर शिवास आदि गौर भक्त वृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे Could you tell about subtle contamination? Does it mean bacteria or some sort of bad energy? Can you also explain the connection between the gross and subtle platform? Well, bacteria could be said to be subtle contamination. When we say gross and subtle, these are relative terms. So bacteria being small and unseen to the human eye could be considered subtle contamination in the bhagavad gita lord krishna lists the eight kinds or the eight material elements bhumirapanalo vayo khangmano budhire vacha ahankara itiyang me bhina prakriti ashtadha five of them are gross and three are subtle the five gross are you can name them you tell them that's what the fire reason aguna it's the same word in bengali <laughs> Hmm. agun means fire yeah then uh, three subtle elements are and then apareya metas twanyang prakritim vedhi me param then there is the uh, higher energy altogether jiva bhuta mahabaho yayedam dharyate jagat the soul so in comparison with the soul even man buddhi ahankara are gross so when we say subtle it's or gross it's all relative however generally when we're discussing krishna conscious philosophy and we talk of subtle contamination that refers to that on the platform of the subtle elements man buddhi ahanka and subtle also connotes the uh, a kind of contamination that we may not ourselves be aware of in that sense maybe like bacteria someone may be carrying a disease they're carrying the bacteria the bacteria doesn't affect them but they affect others in about 19 when was that 1920 or something in america there was a famous cook she was a cook she was called typhoid mary and she typhoid typhoid disease typhoid typhoid tif tif So she wasn't she was carrying the germs and in her cooking she she didn't know but thousands of people got typhoid by her effect and when they found her they put her in prison so like that uh, we may be trying to become purified but subtle contamination which we are not aware of may enter our consciousness especially our vaishnav acharyas have pointed out the danger of pratishtasha the desire for honor that we may not be aware of it but subtly we are performing activities um in the service of krishna but with the subtle unnoticed to ourselves desire that others will praise us for doing so what is the connection between the gross and the subtle platform well this could be the subject of a phd thesis but uh they both influence each other the according to the consciousness or the attitude which we uh develop we get in other words the subtle 
consciousness that we develop, we develop a gross body. That's why sometimes you see uh, a man looks just like his dog or his horse. Have you seen that? Everyone knows. Yeah? It's because being very attached to their dog or their horse, they're preparing to get such a body in the next life. Once uh, I saw one in England, one man, he was selling chicken and he looked, I mean, his face looked just like a chicken. And <laughs> You must have in Lithuania now KFC, is it? Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders Fried Chicken. It's famous all over the world. It's from America. Well, Lithuania isn't blessed with that one yet. But they have the picture of Colonel Sanders who founded this company, which is kills millions of chickens every year. And guess what he looks like? He's dead now, Colonel Sanders, who founded this company. And he's dead, and he's dead, and he's dead, and he's dead. I mean, he gets born and lives for some time. <laughs> That's the story of Colonel Sanders' life, again and again, millions of times. So be careful. As we heard in the class this morning, what was the subject matter of the class? What was the theme? Who can say? Pradana, what is she saying? How devotees are behaving when Lord Nusimha appears before them. Mm, yeah, okay. But what was the what was the teaching, the main teaching of the class? When when the person takes shelter at the Lord's lotus feet, he doesn't feel fear any longer. All right, yeah. Uh, I heard the word protect, protection, protector, protected, yes. maybe a hundred times. So, so, so devotee is protected by the Lord. So we can be, it's very difficult to get free from subtle contaminations. So we can be protected on the gross platform and on the subtle platform if we take shelter of the Lord. Okay. You see, the thing is, any one of these questions we could speak for one week. So, so I'll try and answer them more quickly. What happens to a person who was before in ISKCON many years, then went away from the movement and criticized the movement? How we must act to them? Some... Oh, there's another question. Okay, first question. Then. What happens to a person who was before in ISKCON for many years, then goes away and criticizes the movement. Well, that's between them and Krishna. We can't say exactly what will happen to anyone. Um, in general, if one becomes critical of Vaishnavas, then it's not, it's not pleasing to the Lord. When someone goes away from the movement, we have to see what that means, actually. Someone may have some disagreement with the devotees but goes on practicing at home so we shouldn't necessarily criticize someone just because they go away maybe we should criticize ourselves that we we didn't act in such a way that they wanted to stay we heard this morning in class about someone who made a court case against iskon that they'd been mistreated well that's that's not very good so um people will criticize but we should try to act in a saintly manner so that they don't have genuine grounds to criticize. If they criticize, well, they maybe get up at four o'clock in the morning. and Well, that's no criticism. You came voluntarily. They criticize it by not. 
they criticize that you know they made me get up at four o'clock in the morning, but then someone volunteers to do that. If they come, they voluntarily do that. But uh, it may be that we actually, I mean, there are many cases of where devotees have actually been uh, mistreated. So uh, I know Niranjan Maharaj is writing a book on uh, how devotees have to be cared for. So if there's some criticism, then maybe the first thing we should do is examine ourselves to see if that criticism is uh, valid, and if so, try to rectify it. I want to criticize this movement for the counted sound system together. If that was the worst problem in Iskon, we'll be lucky. Uh, in general, if people are criticizing, give them some prasadam, ask them to join the kirtan, try to get them to come to this festival. It's a good tonic for me too. I've heard of several cases of devotees who are very critical, seeing the difficulties our movement's going through in America, for instance, who, uh, when they go to Mayapur and see all the uh, development that's going on there and the, the vibrant mood and so many devotees, they, uh, their whole outlook changes. So there definitely are things that need rectification within our movement. But at the same time, as long as the core activities are chanting, dancing, distributing Prabhupada's books, distributing Krishna Prasadam, holding festivals, then we're going to be on the right course. So I can't give a clear answer to this question because you can't give a, a very clear answer. Every person is different. You can't say, deal with them like this, kick them out. or You, 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 you have to see each individual case. Here's a, an often asked question. That when a sannyasi comes into the temple room and the temple and the deity curtains are open, should we offer obeisances or not? Well, I've discussed this with several learned devotees. It's one of those instances where two Shastric rules collide. Because one rule is to offer obeisances when you see a sannyasi. Another rule is don't offer obeisances to anyone in front of the deity. So when a sannyasi comes into the temple room, you're caught. So um, this was what myself and several devotees who have studied vidhi have come up with. Vidhi means rules and regulations. In such cases, you have to you have to discuss with uh, learned devotees, see the examples of previous acharyas, or see if there is some specific vidhi on this point. Sure. So the conclusion is like this. You uh, offer obeisances, but from the side, so you're not directly in front of the deities, if that is possible. It's yes, not possible in all temple rooms. Yes. Um, in the case of your initiating guru, you should offer businesses in all circumstances. Um, otherwise, if that is not possible, one may simply uh, fold one's hands and then offer businesses at an appropriate time. Another question often asked is that do we have to offer, when our guru offers businesses, do we also have to offer businesses at the same time? Generally that may be done, but if it's in the middle of the kirtan and the whole kirtan stops because of that better, Better not. There are many such 
complex questions of bidding. Yeah. Okay, please. Can uh, the husband and wife of different religions live together? If yes, then how they should behave? That's another you know, highly generalized question. It depends very much on the individuals. In general, you can say if they have a good understanding, they can do. There were quite a few cases in the history of India where Muslim kings married Hindu princesses. So... If they agree to, they can. If not, they can both be of the same religion and and uh, they won't get on with each other. It's not impossible. One disciple of mine in uh, Bosnia, a young lady, she she married a Muslim man. And they're going on. Uh, how should the devotee who is very, very, very much uh, dissatisfied with association with material life, uh, in, in the material world, how he can progress? Well, that's, the main, that's a good qualification for progressing. If you're feeling satisfied in material life, then you can't make any progress. If one is feeling satisfied in material life, then he can't make any progress in Krishna consciousness. So how can one who's very much dissatisfied with material life make progress in Krishna consciousness? Chanda Hare Krishna Mahamantra, associate with devotees, hear the Srimad Bhagavatam, take Krishna Prasadam, and so on as prescribed in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Do you have that book in Lithuania? Yeah, yeah, I know it's in Russia. Very important book. No? Nekta Predana. Nekta Predanisti. Second, yes. yeah. Could you please explain the concept of Ahankara? Well, it's not really a concept. It's not just someone's theory. It's uh, a fact. Ahamkar means, aham means I. And ahamkar means sense of I-ness, which is translated into English more or less as ego. And I think that word comes in Russian also. Mm -hmm. Which... Uh, more or less, not exactly, but more or less parallels, in, in many ways parallels the word ahanka. So it's not just a, a concept, it's, it's, a, it's a reality, it's subtle, you can't weigh it or see it, but it certainly exists. If there, wasn't, if there is no sense of I-ness, then there's no individuality of the living being. If a living being doesn't, cons doesn't think of himself as I, then, I mean, there's no question of him not thinking of himself as I. So, uh, false ego means to a uh, misidentification of one's identity. Ishvaraham maham bhogi siddho hambalavan suki. The, uh, in false, due to false ego, one thinks, I am God, I am the controller, I am the enjoyer, I am perfect, powerful and happy. But in purified I-ness, or ego, ego, one thinks, Ami Nitya Krishna Das, I am the eternal servant of Krishna. Srila hmm. Prabhupada in his books often states that association with non-devotees of Krishna is very bad. What does the word association mean? Is this word the same or different from the word talking? Is it possible to talk with non-devotees but not associate with them? Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasar Thakur explained that to associate with someone means to take something from them. And uh, that especially means in terms of uh, ideas, thoughts, um, 
affection. No, wait a minute. If 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 one takes ideas from non devotees, well, then is, he's associating with them. If he gives affection to them on the except on a platform of Krishna consciousness, then that is non devotional association. If he gives us Yeah, if one if one develops affection with a non devotee on any other platform than that of preaching to them and giving them Krishna consciousness, then that is called mundane association. So talking with non-devotees does not necessarily constitute taking mundane association. But um, if we start to develop a th thick relationship with them, a developed relationship not on the platform of Krishna consciousness, then that is called taking mundane association. Um, Okay, so it's 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 not it's not necessarily synonymous with talking with. Mm. What else is there? Here in Russian. Uh, what is it, Sahajya? Uh, what real uh, spiritual experience differs from Sahajya? Mm. Sahaj means easy or natural. So actually, bhakti is easy and natural. So a real devotee is a real Sahajya. For that matter, a real devotee is a real mayavadi because he knows that everything is Krishna's maya. A devotee is a real smarta because he follows Vaishnav smriti. Prakrita sahajya, to be more precise, means uh, prakrita means mundane. So they impose their uh, material conceptions on the process of devotional service. Their experience or realization is different from that of a genuine spiritual experience because it is prakrita, mundane. What they consider to be a material, uh, uh, spiritual experience is only uh, some euphoria of their produced from their mundane sentiment. Genuine spiritual experience develops on the platform of surrender to Krishna, acting only for his pleasure. But because the Prakrita sahajyas do not know the difference between Prakrita, the uh, mundane sense enjoyment, and Krishna's Aprakrita, transcendental leela. They presume that Krishna's leela is mundane and that they can enjoy it with their contaminated senses. This subject is discussed in great detail in my still upcoming book about Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. It's a very important topic because it's not that only Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was uh, against Prakrita Sahajiyavad, but it is a perennial misconcept within devotional service. Uh, what does it mean to idealize devotional service? Um, how it can uh, how to say how it should be as an obstacle? What are the symptoms of it? I, I don't know actually. I never heard the verb idealized used with devotional service. So yeah, I, I don't really know what they're talking about. <coughs> you have to be more specific. It's a it's a new concept to me. I never heard of it, so you could kindly try to explain more clearly. Oh, so many questions. He's going to explain. Sometimes devotees are saying that we are idealizing devotional service and that's why it is difficult for us to practice it. Uh, usually it means that we are exceeding uh, that standard which we can follow. Oh, I see. You're talking about 
aiming for a very high ideal which devotees find difficult to follow is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, maybe you can, could explain this more in details because quite often devotees are having different uh, exchange of arguments exactly mm -hmm. about this. Well, there's always tension in this material world. There's always tension between the ideal and reality. A devotee must be an idealist. He must be aiming for the ideal situation, for perfection. If we're not idealists, then we're not really devotees, we might be some kind of uh, karma mishra bhaktas, but a real idealist, a real devotee is one who wants to be free from all material contaminations and fully surrender to Krishna. However, the, re the reality of our situation is that we are not on the ideal platform. So the, uh, the harmonizing of idealism and realism is pragmatism. Therefore, we have the rules and regulations of devotional service. Vaidhi sadhana bhakti is a pragmatic method by which those who are not on the ideal platform can come to the ideal platform. And if we follow these rules and regulations, they will help us to come to the ideal level. To the ideal. Yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a noun yes. as well as a as an adjective. Mm -hmm. In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, there's a, a description of the de devotional service. First comes sadha, the uh, vidhi. Then the actual stage of perfection is described later. Now, how high should we put the bar in the, in the high jump competition? How mm -hmm. high should we put the bar? You put it very high that means you're really going to try your very best and try and get up over that. But if you if you try again and again and you can't get that high, then you may put the bar down a little bit. So that's uh, that's a realistic, pragmatic compromise with the idea that you put it down to a level that you can jump over, but the aim should be to, again, put the bar up and go higher. Now the problem comes when you put it lower... And you can jump over that and you think that, okay, that's high enough. You no need to put it any higher. Then you no longer make any progress. And even worse is if we think that, well, I can jump over this high, but I can get over the bar easier if it's put down, so let's put it down even more. Then we're no longer aiming at the ideal. So this discussion will go on eternally between those who are more inclined to idealism and those who are more inclined to what they see as pragmatism. Those who cite pragmatism, they say, well, more people can come if we put the bar lower. But the problem with keeping, if we always keep it lower, then no one can actually go up. And the lower we put it, then the more there's no difference between Krishna consciousness and any other, or, or just normal life. Just like some devotees say, we should have varnashram, that means I should just do whatever I like and not have any authority. That's how they interpret varnashram. But that's not varnashram, that's just kami life, that's all. Or animal life. So, if we don't keep the bar high, then people, we won't attract people who are, who really want, who are very sincere and want to go up. So it's a perennial question. I'm, I'm more for keeping the bar high. Ekas chandrastamo hanti kingnatara gano picha. 
One moon can light up the whole sky more than millions of stars, as Prabhupada used to quote. As Prabhupada, Prabhupada quoting this verse said once that, I am not after many disciples, I just want one sincere soul. And then he said, by Krishna's grace, I have many sincere disciples. I'll tell uh, one little anecdote also in this regard, that um, Prabhupada, when he came to Mayapur, this was about 1970, before he had any land in Mayapur, before there was any ISKCON in India at all. So with uh, Achutananda Swami, the still famous Achutananda Swami, he visited, Prabhupada visited the ashrams of some of his godbrothers. So they visited the Devananda Goryamat in Navadip, where there were many brahmacharis and sannyasis, but it seemed like the standard wasn't very high. The, the brahmacharis seemed to be... I mean, it's just... I don't, I don't want to criticize Devananda Goryamata or anyone else, but this is just the anecdote as I heard it. It seemed they accepted brahmacharis very easily. And many were there. It seemed that they were like using the ashram as a hostel while they studied in the college. At least this was Achutananda's impression. Then they visited the uh, the ashram... What's the name? Sri Chaitanya Sarasvatma. And they saw the, the, not many brahmacharis or sannyasis there, but a very uh, serious and uh, Krishna, very serious Krishna conscious mood. So afterwards, Achyutananda put the question to Prabhupada: Should we be more like Devananda Goryamad with little, maybe a little loose and many followers, or more like? Sri Chaitanya Saraswatmat, with not many followers, but a very good standard. No Prabhupada said we should have both quantity and quality. Mm. Okay, another question. You mentioned that uh, the husband and wife of different religion religions can live together, but what about their food? Uh, if, for example, the wife is uh, a Vaishnavi, mm. uh, should uh, can she cook? meat preparations made of meat and uh, or maybe the husband would cook it himself these are details that example I gave in uh, Sarajevo the wife who's been a devotee since she was a little girl who's from a Muslim family it's like I'm coming here every year and every year I see the little girls get a little bigger and then they have, then they get married, and then they have little girls of their own. So this is the normal way life goes on. Well, she made her husband a vegetarian before she married him. So yeah. she solved that problem. But uh, she actually wanted to marry him because he had like traditional Muslim family values. And in our society, we tend to have more like the modern anti-family values. So, you know... She didn't want a husband who was such a pure devotee that after giving her two children, he'd, you know, suddenly want to become a sannyasi and transcendentally leave her with the children to look after. There are so many different combinations. It's difficult to say exactly in which, you know, what, to, how this should be, how this question should be answered. If after marriage, one of the spouses becomes a devotee, it often creates tension at home, but it, it can be 
can go on with that also. Prabhupada's sister was an initiated devotee. She was his god-sister also. And her husband was a Hindu, but like most Bengali Hindus, he was a fish-eating Hindu. And, uh, of course, the marriages in those days were all arranged marriages, so Prabhupada's father arranged her marriage to a fish-eater. That's very interesting, isn't it? So she cooked fish for him every day. Though she never once touched it and she never once tasted it in her life. So due to social obligation, she was doing that. In the modern age, in the modern age, we'd, we'd probably be more quick to go for divorce. But maybe we should consider the example of Prabhupada's sister, who maintained her Krishna consciousness without breaking the family. Family bondage is important. It shouldn't be broken whimsically. Mm. Hmm? The husband, yeah, the, and then he, towards the end of life, the husband realized that actually I'm just a, I'm a I'm a useless rascal, and my wife is a great sadhvi, great saintly person. She was a great devotee. She, her Krishna consciousness she maintained throughout that throughout those years. What determines uh, the kind of devotional service? No, uh, I think that the meaning is that what field of devotional service some person should prefer. What field of devotional service sure should somebody Are you sure occupy? that's what that's what the question is? You might be answering the question so vague that it could also be, you know, in the Siddha Swarup. So it's not clear at all. Yeah. Next should we prefer more attention for our parents so that we preach for them? Uh, in, but uh, instead of this, in this case, we should pay more attention for preaching for a great majority of people at the same time. Should we look after our parents or should we preach for more people? Yeah. Well, it's like that quality-quantity question, both. In Vedic culture, parents are given great respect. There may be some exceptions, just like... Uh, as was being discussed in class this morning. But uh, it's considered the children's duty to uh, look after their parents in old age. And even uh, Krishna mentions this, we'll find in the 10th canto of Bhagavatam, when he's speaking to Vasudeva and Devaki. So, it's, uh, I, I've seen even sannyasis in our movement, they, they've taken time out to look after their dying parents, which isn't part of traditional sannyas, but they've made their parents devotees in the process. So, um, if we're actually like Ramanujacharya, who left his young wife and then delivered the whole world, then you may neglect your family. Otherwise, of course, if there are, if you have other brothers and sisters who are looking after them, that, then that responsibility doesn't devolve on you. If you have other brothers and sisters who are looking after ah, you, yes, yeah. then then you don't have the responsibility. So these are these are a little bit more unu less commonly used English words. Devolve, you don't know that one. It's all right. You have to translate that. So, but uh, otherwise, it's it's good to to help them in a, in a difficult time in old age. That's also one kind of preaching. Hmm. Okay, I think this. Can a soul split into several? Can several souls merge into one? Comments. Krishna is himself splitting. 
Balaram would sometimes agree with Krishna, disagree with Krishna. Well, we find in Bhagavad Gita this idea of the soul splitting is uh, directly denied by Krishna. Achedyoyam. Lord Krishna says achedyoyam means the soul cannot be cut. Chedan specifically means like that splitting, cutting into pieces. Chinna, chinna. Can several souls merge? Um, intrinsically, no. Intrinsically, the soul is eternally individual. As is also established in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita. Lord Krishna states that all the souls present here are individual now or individual in the past and will remain so in future. Now, here it said Krishna is splitting and the example is given that Balaram sometimes agrees with Krishna, which I guess this is giving the idea that Balaram is a different person to Krishna. But actually Balaram is Angsha of Krishna, Sva Angsha. Angsha means uh, part, inseparable part. Sva Angsha means Vishnu Tattva, is directly the Lord himself. And Vibhin Angsha means the Jivas who are uh, eternally part of and inseparable from Krishna, but separated parts. How they are simultaneous, how both the Sva Angsha and Vibhin Angsha are eternally uh, non-different from and different from Krishna is Achintya Bheda Bheda Inconceivable. Uh, inconceivable in the sense that... Um, in material consciousness, we want to measure everything. A part should be, just like you take a brick, it's part of a wall, and you can, you can define it has exactly this width, length, depth, weight, etc. But um, the nature of the spiritual is that it's not definable in material terms. And the great mistake of the uh, empiricist is that he considers that even in spiritual life everything should be measurable according to material um, measurements. Great uh, mistake of whose? Mistake? Of the empiricists. Empirist? Totally overlooking the fact that by its very definition spiritual means that it has a different set of parameters than material. So Krishna doesn't split. Advaitam achutam anadim anantarupam adyang purana purusham navayovanam cha. He is one. Advaitam. But he has anantarupa, unlimited forms. Yeah, it's a, again, it's, you know, we could talk for hours on this, but no time. My time is up. I'm over time. So, Hare Krishna.